We honor your pastor and his wife. Absolutely. And just knowing pastor's wife can be here today. It's amazing. And your bishop and his wife, can you, can you believe? Fourteen days since open heart surgery. We've had people at home have bypasses and I didn't see them for six months. These are old friends. You don't make new old friends. I knew your bishop when he was still riding bulls. The Lord gave him some wisdom over that. And we love these people so much. They are just precious, precious friends. You know, you don't think about it when you're young, but when you get older, roots, mean a lot to you and our roots are intertwined our families don't have time to tell you because they didn't ask me to come up here and give you a history lesson about our heritage they asked me to preach today but just thank you and the building looks so good right here on this big highway man this is so incredible so god bless you people how are y'all doing today I'm still a little bit, bit amazed they want to keep hearing these older guys speak. And the Lord has been so very good to us. Praise God. All right. I'm going to tell you a story and preach to you today. This is what I found out about all these years of ministry. I got a plaque in the mail the other day. Congratulate me for 50 years of ministry. 50 years. And when you've been preaching 50 years, you can get by with some things that you probably don't need to try when you're young. Now, my problem is I've been kind of ignorant for too long, but I just, I just see things as you grow and you don't lose this fervor and this passion and this desire you have. And I have a desire I have a desire. By the way, I just turned 70 years old. You ought to give me a hand for that. I have a desire to see a book of Acts church. We've seen things. We've seen great things. But I want a book of Acts church. Does anybody want a book of Acts church? I have been to some countries where they have a Book of Acts church. I want it in North America. Amen. I want the miracle signs and wonders, the great harvest. This is our day, and we have to capitalize on this opportunity. As the world gets in a bigger mess than we can imagine, it's our opportunity to present Jesus Christ in a Book of Acts church setting. Somebody shout amen. amen. 
Praise God. Okay, thank you very much. I have a scripture, but I want to show you something first. I have a picture. Before my father passed away, I went to see him, and he gave me a gift. He had built this gift himself, and he told me that he made this for me and uh, my brothers. He made each one of us one. It's kind of kind of torn up a couple of times, and my wife had to get the uh, hot glue or something to it because a few of the legs had fallen off, but... These are made out of corn stalks. And Daddy told me that, that when he was a little boy, they didn't have money. They were in the Depression. This is what his daddy made him, little horses, out of these corn stalks. Pretty, he did a pretty good job, didn't he? Yeah. God bless you, Dad. And, you know, obviously I cherish these little things. But... I, you just stop and you wonder, how much fun did they have with that? I got a feeling they had as much fun as you young people doing this. They, they probably had as much fun. I mean, I, we, we had a family reunion one time, and they had, a, they had a little stick with a crossbar on it and a wheel. I don't, I don't even remember what they call that, but these, you, you get that that little wheel up and you roll it around on the stick and you go over mountains and hills and valleys and wherever. What was it? What do you call that? How old are you? Okay, I've got the mic now, so you, you've, done, you've done well. <laughs> I'm kidding, you know that. Hey, do we have the same Holy Ghost they had in the book of Acts? Is this the same God? Do we still have access to the same powerful name of Jesus? Do we have the authority to use that name? Huh? In 2 Corinthians 11, verses 3 and 4, Paul said, But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity. Somebody say simplicity. That is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached or if you receive another spirit which you have not received or another gospel which you have not accepted you might bear well with him say simplicity I want to speak to you about that one word simplicity you know Jesus put it you can be seated Jesus put it all on the line when he said if I do not the works of the Father, believe me not. You got to wonder how many of us preachers and churches would be bold enough to make a statement like that. If you don't see the works of the Father here, then don't believe us. And I am not unlike you in that I love preaching. I love sermons that wow us. I love sermons that 
Here's what I've learned about preaching. Most people don't remember what you preach. I mean, one Sunday morning I got up and said, how many remember what I preached last week? Not one hand went up. You talk about deflating your ego. But that'll give you a lesson in humility, Pastor. Just get up and ask them one week. How many of you remember what I preached last week? Before, I, I was just fixing to kind of reprimand the congregation until it dawned on me, I didn't remember what I preached. And here's what, here's what I found out. People do remember stories you tell. Real life experiences that happen in your life. And people don't forget those things. You know, I love the thing about Bible quizzing this morning because you and I know how important that is. Let me just speak here with my friends, friends David and Kay Gilbert. I evangelized for five years. I don't know how many years they evangelized, many years. And he was a better evangelist than I was because he got to preach in better churches than I did. <laughs> this is a true statement and worthy of all acceptation. Uh, I, uh, I, probably the average size church I, I spoke at was 40 people maybe. 35 people I've preached in churches where there were 20 hours. I was glad to have a place to preach. I grew up in small churches. My dad pastored many years in DeLeon. We had 35 people, maybe 32. Seven of them were deans. <laughs> I had four brothers. I've witnessed what God has done through truth-preaching churches. My wife and I were privileged to go be a part of a marriage retreat and speak in Gatlinburg last year and spent the Sunday night at a church in Maryville, Tennessee. I forget the name of that church. Somebody help me out. First Apostolic. It's like the Taj Mahal of the Apostolic Movement. It was amazing. So that night, that night we spoke at the church and my, my brother Johnny and his wife had, had taken this trip with us. And when, when we walked into the congregation that Sunday night, I don't know how many people were there, maybe 800 people. The whole back, this building is, just blew my mind. But the whole back wall is a screen and, and they have 200. I think my wife said she counted over 200 in the choir before she quit counting. And they filled this place up and... We, we, we walked into that service and all I could do was weep and cry. I went over to my brother Johnny who's 18 years older than me and we, we, uh, 18 months, excuse me, and I, I embraced him and we were just crying. I'm like, Johnny, look what the Lord has done. We came from nothing to this. You do understand, my brothers and sisters, that a congregation like this in a building like this was out of reach, we thought. Look what God has done. 
One of my great mentors in life was J.T. Pugh, and I never forgot him telling me we had moved to Bossier to pastor in 1988, and shortly thereafter he came and ministered to us at, at the church. And I remember him telling me, Brother Dean, this is the first brick church I ever preached in. The emphasis was on the brick. <laughs> and I remembered as a kid hearing my parents say they live in a brick home. <laughs> and I am aware that the whole world around us has been blessed and prospered. But to look back at our roots, and we weren't supposed to have a chance, but we had God. We had truth, and that was important to me. I was reading the book, The Phenomenon of Pentecost by Frank Ewart, who was contemporary of the Azusa Street Church days and was a part of that great revival. And in that book, he's telling a story, excuse me, about singing a song called Jesus Breaks Every Fetter. They were in Canada. There was a man in the congregation with a large visible tumor on the side of his neck. And he said, while we sang that song, he said, I saw the tumor fall off his neck and hit the ground. Right in the floor. You know, I had never heard that song. So I, 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 I got on iTunes and found it. Jesus breaks every fetter. I said, I'm going to try this song. Brother Barnes, Tom Barnes was an apostle, a prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. And I got to spend a little time with him. He's just 25 miles down the road from us. But he, he shared stories with me of days when he was under a tent where the power of God was so powerful and present to heal deaf people that he said, I literally rejoiced when someone said a deaf person was coming to church. I knew they'd be healed. I knew they'd be healed. And we noted that he wore a cross pin in his pocket right here, in his suit pocket. He put a cross pin. So me and the guys at home, the young preachers, we all went and got us a cross pin. We started wearing that cross pin. It's really not complicated, is it? This is our day. The preacher called a lady up and said, she was 84. He said, tell us what it was like in your day. She grabbed a microphone and said, this is my day. This is our day, and I want to talk to you about simplicity. Shout that word out again with me. Because there's not a person in this building this morning that does not believe that the God that birthed the book of Acts Church is just as alive and real today, right here in this place. Not a person here that doesn't believe God can still do this. And you try to wrap your minds around what happened in that book of Acts Church. These are they, they said, that turned the world upside down in two years. All of Asia heard the word. Travel was snail pace. They either walked, took ships. They, they fought devils every step of the way. They harassed, were harassed everywhere, persecuted everywhere. Paul probably didn't ask where the hotel was in town. He knew he was going to wind up in prison before the week was out. 
Amen. And all Asia heard the word. How did they do this? Was there some hidden secret to what they did? Paul said, I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and the power. Listen, I want to give you five little steps right quick that I feel like God gave me. If we want to be a book of Acts church, and we do, they're little simple steps. He said, don't let the devil kind of deceive you and take you away from the simplicity that is in Christ. You see, God doesn't need you and me to manufacture anything. We don't have to be the generator. We just have to be the conduit. We're not trying to manufacture something or produce something. It's already been produced. Somebody help me right now. God needs a vessel to use. He needs a vessel to flow through. He don't need me to break the bread. He just needs me to pass it out. He, don't need, he just needs me to dip the wine out of the water barrel and spread it around. And the first point I want to bring to you this morning is they simply followed Christ's instructions. They did what he told them to do. It's, very, it's really that simple. I have noted in the Bible that most miracles in the Bible came with an instruction. They followed an instruction. Cast your nets on the other side. Fill the water pots up with water. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Speak to the rock. There were instructions given. Throw the wood in the water and the axe head will float. Those instructions didn't always make sense, did they? We fished all night and caught nothing. But nevertheless, at thy word, God needs us to be obedient. Amen? It shouldn't be complicated to us. Somebody help me right now. I was in, I was in uh, Mattoon, Illinois, uh, preaching a meeting maybe four or five years ago, and the church was full. If you know the Dowdies, got a great building, and I was, preaching, I was preaching about doing something you hadn't done before, breaking out of your box, being obedient to the man of God. If the man of God said, clap your hands and shout, well, clap your hands and shout. It's simple. It's simple. If, if, if whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's what Mary said, wasn't it? To the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Well, I'm preaching this, and here comes a couple from the back of the church. I've never been in this church. I don't know these people. I knew a few of the pastors, and they have a little baby in their hands, and they're doing what I said to do right in the middle of my message. So they walk right up to the platform and they have a baby. It's obvious to me. The baby needs prayer. I don't know anything about the couple. I didn't know the baby was born blind. I did not know the baby's mother was uh, a drug addict and consequently the baby was born uh, blind, could not see, and I didn't know any of that. I just saw this couple. I didn't know it wasn't their baby. Uh, the state had taken the baby away from the mother, and this was an aunt and uncle that wanted to adopt the baby. They had it as a foster child. I didn't know any of that. But I felt compelled by the Holy Ghost while I'm preaching 
that I should uh, finish the few little points I had left in this message. And I asked people to make room for them there on the front row. And this was a couple just doing what the preacher was saying to do. Anyway, I didn't get to finish the message. The Holy Ghost fell. The altars filled up with people. God began to move. Somebody came running over. I have a video of those if, if, you, if you don't believe me. We don't know if anybody laid hands on the baby. We don't know if anybody prayed for him. I don't know anything. All I know is, is somebody grabbed me and the preacher said, Brother Dean, get your camera. And he had a little baby rattler and the baby was following that baby rattler with his eyes because out of nowhere, God healed that blind baby. The last time I asked about him, I asked Brother Dowdy, I said, what about that little boy? He said, I can't keep him off the platform. He's crawling up and down the steps. God had healed that baby. We need to get back maybe to understanding the simplicity of the gospel. God is ready today. Wouldn't it be amazing if your bishop stood up and said, wait a minute. Forget the procedure. Forget it. I've been praying for a miracle for Bishop Gilbert. I've been praying all the time. Amen. Somebody shout hallelujah right now. Is whatever God asks you to do, do it. They had singleness of heart. That's my second point. And this is a challenge for us today. The word singleness here in Acts 2 and 46, they did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Believe it or not, that word in the original is the same word that's translated simplicity. It's just we're scattered. Our minds are here and there. Amen? Someday this book of Acts church will begin to realize the value of prayer and the prayer meeting will be as big as a Sunday morning crowd. The reason it's not today and it's not at home, we don't have half as many, maybe a third as many people that come to our Monday night prayer meeting once a month as we do in our Sunday morning service. Do you know why? Because we're scattered. Our minds are here and there. We think we work harder than people used to work 50, 60 years ago. That's crazy. We got a little land over here that my wife inherited from her mother and the old home place, and we've had our trailer over there for four days this week, and I've been doing a little manual labor, which I have not done in a long time. And trust me, when I lay down at night, I go to sleep. Amen. Amen. We're scattered. We're too busy. We, can't, we forget our phone. We think we've lost our best friend. We got to go back to the house. Where's my phone? We got find my phone on our iPad. We've got find my iPad on our phone. How many times, husbands, have you left the house and your wife said, wait a minute, I don't think I have my phone. <laughs> yeah, call my phone. Where's my phone? We're scattered. We're busy. We're doing this and we're doing that. Do you know what? If we want a book of Acts Church, what we're doing right now is the most important thing we'll do all week. When we come in here for an hour and a half or two hours on Sunday morning, we don't need to have our minds scattered here and there. Amen. 
They went everywhere preaching the word, the Lord confirming the word with accompanying signs, the Bible said. They were daily in the temple. They, they went from house to house daily. They did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus Christ. We need singleness of heart. Is there anything more important than what we're doing right now? What if Bishop walks out here with his eyesight? You may not remember what I preached, but you'll mark this day on your calendar. What about your need? Other people have needs here today. And you walk out of here and the doctor's report changes on your next visit. You mark this day on your calendar. We need singleness of heart. No task was too small. There was no division. Little things made a big difference. Amen. Amen. Didn't matter what they were doing. Two people, I guess, held a rope and put Paul in a basket and let him down over the wall one night because they were trying to kill him. We don't know who they were. We don't know who they were. Their names are never recorded. How could they have known they had two-thirds of the New Testament in that basket? Hang on tight, buddy. We got, we got two-thirds of the New Testament in this basket. Hang on tight. Don't let him fall. Don't let him drop. I want to talk to a Sunday school teacher right now. I want to talk to an usher. I want to talk to a greeter. You don't know. You have no clue. No task was too small. Just do it with singleness of heart. I'm doing this for the kingdom. Not everybody wants to be or will be on the platform. It don't matter. You may, you may greet the next apostle walking through the door. You may be teaching Bible quizzers. You may be working on the next great Jeff Arnold preacher. You don't know. You don't know. They had singleness of heart. Give the Lord a hand clap right now. The next bullet point is quitting was never an option. I mean, Paul's preaching in the middle of the night and the guy falls out, falls out of a window and died. Brother, we'd have 911 here. I mean, I would. <laughs> y'all are really quiet. Are y'all grazing or what? <laughs> I've been living with the cows a few days. <laughs> he, I mean, he went down and prayed for the guy, and he said, he's okay, he's alive. We'd be going to Applebee's. He's like, no, I'm not through with my sermon. <laughs> we had an evangelist one time. He preached about an hour. Holy Ghost fell. He didn't get through preaching. We prayed people through, had all kind of an altar service. Must have lasted 45 minutes. He sent everybody back to the pew. I was wore out. I'm like, are you kidding? He said, you think I wasn't going to finish this message? I'm going to finish this message. That's what Paul did. There was no quit in them. You could beat them. You could persecute them. You could put them in jail. Oh, my God. I, I, I know there's nobody like that here in, in Denison, but I've pastored people in my life. One little old word somebody said about them, and they're backsliding. They're, in the, they're down in the dumps. You come watch him come out. I've had people, I call them bipolar Christians. You, they, you know, they're either shouting or their lips dragging the floor when they come in. I'm like, 
Are we doing this for Jesus or who? Is, is, is. God have mercy. People find excuses, you know, to change churches, go somewhere. We've all seen that. I mean, when, when are we going to realize this is for keeps, ladies and gentlemen? This is for keeps. I mean, Jesus called her a dog, and she didn't give up. She said, no, I'm not going home yet until my daughter gets well. I, I wonder sometimes if we give up too soon, if we quit too soon, if our prayer meetings are too short, if our fasting days are too small. I wonder sometimes if we are committed like we need to be committed. Somebody say amen. Amen. They didn't let their past drag them down. The apostle Peter, look at him. The apostle Paul, look at him. He said, demons have forsaken me. I left Aphrodite as he was sick, dying to death. God have mercy on him. They stoned him at Lystra. He got up, went back into the city. Quitting was never an option. Quitting was never an option. Do you know the apostolic church in North America today needs to make up our mind? We're going to be apostolic. It doesn't matter what we see out there. We're going to preach Acts 2.38. We're going to baptize people in the name of Jesus. We're going to speak in tongues. We're going to pray them through the Holy Ghost. We're going to preach you got to come out of the world and be separate. We're going to be a holy people. Make your mind up. Quitting is never, never, never an option and the next thing I noted about that apostolic church in the book of Acts their simple confidence in God gave them boldness they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord working with them and confirming the words with signs following this is our day we gotta be bold you know when they beat them up and threatened them they just went to John Mark's house in Acts 4 and said, Lord, grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may speak thy word. By stretching forth thy hand to heal, let signs and wonders be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hey, you guys just got thrashed. No, we need boldness. We need boldness today. Amen? We need boldness. You're an apostolic. You're full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. I go to Starbucks way too often. All I get is their old nasty coffee. I drink one cup at home and I go to Starbucks. But when I go to Starbucks, I am aware I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. I have the Holy Ghost. Huh? Hello. So... I treat people nice. You can be your own nasty self if you want to. You can carry your frown and your old, go ahead. I, I, I go in there like I got the Holy Ghost. I smile at people. I give them a tip where they can see me. Make a difference. Yeah. For a while, a girl at our church worked at Starbucks. So when I walk in the door, she'd say, hey, pastor. Well, in a little while, they were all calling me pastor. I didn't pastor any of them, including the girl going to our church. It's the truth. 
And one day the lady in there said, what do you want us to call you? And I said, well, my name's Jerry. That, that'll work. She said, I know, but what do they call you at church? I said, they call me pastor. So I walk in the door. But anyway, then it, later on it became Jerry. So I walked in there one morning. There was a young lady in there. And when I walk in the door, she goes, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. So a few weeks later, I go in and every employee in the store, Jerry, Jerry. I don't need the attention. I want to give God some glory, though. Amen. It's a true story. I get on the elevator at LSU Hospital up high, and I'm riding down with one lady on the, on the, on the, on the elevator. And she looked at me, and she said, are you a preacher? And I probably have a preacher do. I don't know. Is this, I, I don't know. Anyway, I said, yeah, I am. She said, man, I feel something. This is a true story. I said, that has nothing to do with me being a preacher, ma'am. That's the Holy Ghost. Believe it or do we not believe it? We need boldness. You're not everybody else. <laughs> you're, you're not everybody else. We have the Holy Ghost. We have truth. Can somebody shout amen? We got a guy coming to church now. His name's Doug. I love Doug to death. He was up, I don't know how old Doug is, maybe 45 or 50, and he works with Ginger, their nurses. And uh, they, they would talk Bible at the, uh, at the break, I guess, at the lunch table. And he was another denomination, and she was showing him things. He said, that's not in the Bible. I've never heard that. She got him to read in his Bible. You know, it's amazing what you find out when you read your Bible. Because he, he was stunned to find out that Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. He told me, he said, I didn't even know Paul spoke with tongues. Grew up going to a church. Probably teaching you how to get along with your wife. I shouldn't have said that. So Ginger finally got him to church. He loves church. He said, this is amazing. He didn't understand a lot, but he, he kept coming. So he, he went to our seven meeting, which, was, uh, which is our meeting, like Celebrate Recovery for Hurts, Hangups, and Habits. And at the end of that session that night, a young man walked up and told Brother Steve, he said, I want to get baptized. So Doug was kind of surprised when Ginger said, let's go watch him get baptized. Like, you can do that tonight? I thought you had to, like, make an appointment with a pastor and... She said, where did you get that? He said, I don't know. She said, read your Bible. There, there are no delayed baptisms in the book of Acts. None. Zero. He told me later, he said, I went home, I'm reading uh, Acts chapter 8, and there's the, Philip, uh, there's the Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and and he said, here's water. What does the hell being baptized? He, so anyway, he got baptized. But he came to a Monday night prayer meeting. And I got to hurry. I'm almost through. He came, he came to a Monday night prayer meeting. See, you don't forget my stories. And this is not an embellished story. Preachers can embellish. But this is not an embellished story. You have to help yourself a little bit every now and then. The blind boy, that's not embellished. I hadn't told anything. I hadn't embellished anything today. I don't think. <laughs> Stories do get better the more you tell them. 
was I talking about? Doug. So Monday night prayer meeting, and we usually pray for an hour, and we were going home, and, and, and I guess Doug heard a lot of people praying, speaking in tongues. Y'all believe in that, right? And so Ginger said, I got up to leave, and he looked up at me and said, where are you going? She said, well, we usually prayed about eight, and, and he didn't want to leave. She said, you don't have to leave. They will lock you up in here. But he got up, and, went, and she got worried about him. She said, I, so I called him. And she said, are you okay? He said, no, I'm not okay. What you, what's wrong? He said, I want the Holy Ghost, Ginger. When do you want it? He said, I want it right now. She told me, she called me that night. She said, Pastor, I've prayed with a lot of people that got the Holy Ghost, but I never was the one telling them what to do. She said, I grabbed my computer and Googled how to pray somebody through to the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. And she said, it pulled up some bullet points. And she said, okay, Doug, are you ready? He said, I'm ready right now. She took him through repentance. She, when she told him to start praising God, she said he busted out on the phone speaking in tongues. They had boldness. They had boldness. And unless he's working, Bugs, uh, Doug's sitting on the third row to my left in Bossier City this morning enjoying the presence of God. He's never looked back. I, I just make this statement to let you know, young people in school, you're not every other kid in school. If you have the Holy Ghost, woo! Somebody clap their hands to the Lord right now. The Bible said when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they took notice of them that they had been with Jesus. Woo! The lady grandmother locked her keys in her car in Houston at the mall and she had gone back into the store and got a coat hanger. And she's trying to get her key, her car unlocked with a coat hanger. Forget how old that lady was. And a man pulls up on a motorcycle with a leather vest and a chain hanging down from his billfold and covered up with ink and all that stuff. And he gets out in a braided ponytail. And anyway, he, he went over and said, Ma'am, do you need some help? She said, yes. She said, he had that car open in about 30 seconds. <laughs> she said, I gave him a big hug and said, thank God he sent me a good man today. <laughs> he said, no, ma'am, I'm not a good man. I just got out of prison for car theft. She hugged him again and said, thank God he sent me a professional. <laughs> I don't see anybody bashful out here in the world that's propagating this anti-Christ, anti-Bible, anti-Jesus, anti-church, anti-male and female, anti-everything godly and righteous. 
if they're not going to be bashful, we don't need to be bashful about this life-changing, drug-delivering, alcohol-delivering, set-you-free gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God can do something today. Right now, God can do something. Let's be bold. Go after it. I got one more point and I'll finish here. They simply gave all. This is amazing to me in the New Testament what they did. And they just gave everything they have. And you know, Bishop Gilbert and Sister Kay, we, we, we grew up under parents who, who understood this more than we do. And I'm not really positive I have ever come really sacrificed in my life. But the people who brought me this message knew sacrifice. They knew what it was to leave behind their future. My wife's mother and daddy came from Oklahoma and not far from here. They knew what it meant to just throw in everything for the kingdom of God. Amen. 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 We have witnessed what God will do when you're willing to sacrifice. God is a God who is liberal. He never, 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 never will owe you anything. He's not a man. He cannot lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll make it good. We give our tithe, we give our offering, we give demissions. We bless the world over our church there. And God has poured out blessings so much on our people. We call it the Bozier blessing. And every once in a while, I'll get a text from somebody who just got a little promotion. And they said the Bozier blessing just kicked in. Let me tell you, when you're willing to go the second mile, God's willing to go the third mile. He said, I'll give it back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. We got here because men and women were willing to leave everything behind and do this. Somebody clap your hands and shout. I, uh, I, I remember we had this, this lady come. She had two, two of the cutest little boys, and she was a cocaine addict. And I don't even know who brought her to church. I don't know. Anyway, she came into church, and she got the Holy Ghost. We baptized her. She was battling her addiction. And we have sympathy for those people. We don't condemn them. Our theme at home is, is, is everyone's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And anything is possible. We live by that. And I'm going to tell you, right now we're being challenged at home because we've had the greatest year and a half of harvest, thanks in large part to our new pastor and his wife, my son Ryan and his wife Sherry. God has blessed us abundantly in baptisms like we've never had. But right here to my right in the front, these people are coming through our seven program. Their lives are messed up. They're without hope. They're full of addictions. But I remember this sweet little old girl coming in and she got the Holy Ghost and the Stokelys at our church they just love those little boys, and uh, they, they wanted to do something for her for Christmas. And anyway, they, they, they asked me if I would take some gifts over there to those boys. I never will 
ever lose my memory of walking to that apartment and I was like taken back. They were they didn't have any beds. There was no furniture. They were sleeping on little cots on the on, uh, little blankets on the floor. And she she had one of those campfire ovens, a little Bunsen burner we used to call them. And that was what she was cooking on. And I'm holding back the tears, you know. I got my little gifts to give them. I got my little gifts, and I'm like, oh God. Anyway, I held my tears back till I got out the door. And I started crying, and I'm like, a few couple of weeks later, Tina walked into church at the end of service one Wednesday night, and she had a $10 bill. She was, hey, pastor, 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 I, 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 I didn't get to give this an offering tonight. I want to give it in the offering. And I was very reluctant. I said, Tina, who gave that to you? Who, where, where'd that come from? She said, Sister Pilate gave it to me, which made a lot of sense if you knew Sister Pilate. And I said, Tina, she wanted you to have that. One of my young ministers was behind me, and he said, Pastor, God didn't give that lady her two mites back. I still have that $10 in my desk at home. Tina moved to a shelter in Dallas. We didn't see her for years. Our choir was going down to the boardwalk and singing one Christmas. And I hear somebody yelling, Pastor. She had a prosthesis. She limped and she came hobbling up to me and grabbed me. Here's her two boys there now like, Tina, where are you? I'm in Dallas. I own a home. I bought my own home. I have a great job. And you know what happened to me, don't you? I'm thinking about that $10 in my desk drawer. Because God don't lie. And let me tell you, this is not about monetary gain today. This is about a book of Acts, church. Do you want one? We preached about simplicity today. Would you stand? It's not complicated, is it? I hope this is okay, Pastor, what I've shared today. It's simplicity. Simplicity. It's the two little horses made out of corn stalks that they lived and played with and had a blast with. This is what Paul said. He said, I'm concerned. I'm concerned that the devil deceive you from the simplicity. Somebody say simplicity. That is in Christ. I'd never do this. Never. I don't consider myself a prophet. But while I've been preaching today, I felt prophecy in me that somebody is getting a hold of this. And I'm going to speak right now the blessing of God upon Truth Church in Tennessee. You've been through some things. 
The enemy tried to take you down, but you made it. It ain't over. Get ready. Here comes the blessings of God. I bless you in the name of the Lord. I bless you, Pastor Gilbert and Sister Ginger. I bless you with uncommon leadership skills and an uncommon anointing. I bless you with signs and wonders and an uncommon faith and an uncommon boldness. I bless every business owner in this church with an uncommon blessing. Your businesses are going to explode and you're going to know God did it because you couldn't do it. I bless every student in this church that's walking the halls of the schools in Denison and the surrounding area. I bless you in the name of the Lord. I bless you with uncommon knowledge and understanding and wisdom. I bless you. You're going to shock yourself and amaze yourself. I bless you every home, every family. I bless you in the name of the Lord. I bless every marriage in this church. They're going to be strengthened. There's a new fervor of love coming to every marriage. Somebody this morning is wondering, will my marriage survive? It's not just going to survive. It's going to prosper. I bless you in the name of the Lord. Can you do this? You're right. I can do it. I can do this by the word of God. The spirit of prophecy, as the brother said earlier, is upon me right now. I bless you mothers and daddies who have prodigals that are not in the Father's house today. I bless you with a newfound hope. You're going to walk out of this building today with a new hope. You're going to start watching. You're going to start waiting. You know they're coming back. They're going to sit on these chairs in this sanctuary and support this church and the work of God. It's going to happen in the name of Jesus Christ. Can you do this? You better know I can do it. I'm doing it right now in the name of the Lord. And if you receive what I'm doing, go ahead and start making your way to the front of this congregation, to the front of this tabernacle right now. We need to pack the front of this place out. If you're going to receive the Word of God, it is important that you respond to the Word of God. We are not just hearers of the Word. We are doers of the Word. Go ahead and start praying. Go ahead and start receiving. I don't know why anybody wouldn't come and receive this. I don't know why. You say it's going to be crowded up there. Yeah, it's always going to be crowded in the future. Let's go back to simplicity.